Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Today, the Spring Game Breakdown. And welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I am David Gaspers, and with my two favorite Husker fans, Honky. Hello. And Mac. Hello. What's up, guys? How you doing, Dave? I'm doing awesome, man. Doing, this buddy? is uh, show two of the Go Big Redcast. Uh, we're excited to uh, have an opportunity to talk about um, probably one of the most anticipated spring games that I can recall, especially in our, our lifetimes. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking about this opportunity we have here with this podcast uh, to hash things out um, every every week amongst us and have uh, some of our friends and hopefully followers start listening and and uh, sharing their thoughts on, on what we're talking about, all things Husker football. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty pretty amazing thing that is, technology allows us to, to do this. And I'm like, you know, the, probably the comparison would be like four guys sitting around the, uh, the VFW, you know, circa 1965, just talking about Bob Devaney and uh, – and, uh, you know, all things Husker football and about 10 or 20 other guys randomly showing up to, to listen to them. So, uh, yeah. Breaking a fall staff. Or maybe Absolutely. like a shortwave radio Ma- fan. Maybe we should have all of our followers, like, you know, list their favorite dad's beer, you know, so we can start start Ooh. drinking those during the show. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know if My it's dad had ball. old Milwaukee red. Oh, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the, the beast, you know. Um, mm. I, I can't can't think of a uh, a spring even in our, at least in our lifetimes that we uh, probably have uh, looked forward to watching the game as much as this one with the transition on uh, offense to a new quarterback uh, and with uh, the defense with uh, the three four uh, we did see one of those two um, during the spring game uh, we'll we'll break down both sides of it but uh, it's it's going to be a, a a good show I think we have a lot of content uh, a lot of things to talk about. There was some exciting recruiting news uh, that came through over the weekend, and um, we're going to cover it all here on the Go Big Redcast. It's scoring explosion. All right, let's start with uh, scoring explosion. This is our offensive breakdown. Uh, spring game had lots of offense, at least for one side. Uh, we saw a uh, score of fifty-five to seven. Seemed like a uh, kind of a game that was set up for success for the red uh, team that had uh, a lot of uh, the uh, the ones and twos on it uh, against the white, uh, which mainly were the threes and fours. Uh, but we did see quite a bit of stuff on the offensive side of the ball that's worth talking about. You know, um, I think uh, you know last week we talked about how Tanner Lee can can make some throws that just most other college quarterbacks just can't can't make. Uh, he had a heck of a uh, a TD to J.D. Spielman where he just dropped on a dime in the back corner there. Uh, there was some other interesting stuff we saw. Uh, Gebbia on the white side actually looked uh, pretty darn good. Uh, I think Mac was impressed, um, and he did score on a read option. Uh, and so I think there's uh, some good stuff to, to, to break down. Honky, what was uh, the top maybe one or two things you, you took out of uh, watching the spring game? You were there actually at the game. Yeah, I was uh... – you know, it was pretty special to be able to get in there. It, uh, it required ten dollars, so <laughs> I was able to to find my way into the into the game. It was good. Uh, you know, as far as one of the things that that just jumps off the paper immediately to me is 
you have to be a really bad program if you can't win the spring game. And I mean that sincerely on and off the field because, you know, on the field, clearly it was set up to win. It was, it was ones and twos versus threes and fours. It was, it was, you know, intended to look good on TV for recruits, for, for the fans and, and everything. And, and that's good. I mean, you should do that. And it also should, you know, win off the field. If you can't win the spring game off the field, um, that's a problem. And again, this was good on TV. It's, it was good, uh, to have 78,300 people there. All those things are good. And, and so it was just another successful spring game. And, and on top of that, I mean, we'll get into some of the specifics of what, what looked good and what maybe didn't look quite so good. But I thought in general, I thought, uh, it was hard to, it was hard to, to say that the, I thought the lines looked good on both sides quarterback looked good although without any contact i i'm gonna question a little bit of that and we'll probably talk about that later but uh, i didn't see a lot of drops outside of kind of early on there were a couple with Inglehop, but outside of that i mean it was a pretty clean game and you know overall for spring i'm, I'm happy mac uh what, what was your thoughts man um i'd probably echo a lot of what honky says there that was um pretty vanilla day it was set up for success and and for the 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 crowd's pleasure, but that's all right. It was still pretty impressive. I mean, the run game looked good at times. All the quarterbacks showed up. I I can't remember a spring where all three quarterbacks made a pretty good argument for playing. Don't forget and, Andrew Bunch, Mac. Come yeah, on. The, even the four string guy made some plays. I mean, everybody caught well. Like like Honky said, there were a few drops. Nothing bad. Um, it, it's interesting that you know they went to this four-three defensive front for like the first time during the spring for the spring game, kind of a wrinkle, I suppose. How do you but, think that affected the offense who had been playing against the three-four for the fourteen previous practices? I think it was. I think it was in their benefit. I think it helped them out. Honestly, I mean, it was. And plus, they weren't going to send. I think I heard they were only going to send one blitzer, maybe per play, was all that was allowed for the defense to do. So. I mean, there wasn't a lot of... Riley even said he wasn't going to make this a check-down day. He was just going to make this a day to go play. And it looked like the guys were out there playing. And they looked they looked good playing. So that I found that encouraging. We so looked let's pretty... Break down. It, although it did kind of look like a check-down game a little bit. I mean, just... No, no, I mean, like, I mean like offense offensive players. line checks. Like, in, in terms of um, picking up blitzes and stuff. Not, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah no, I, I give... Well, I think the storyline, obviously, out there that everybody wants to, to hear about is, you know, who won the quarterback battle... Tanner Lee or Patrick O'Brien, um, uh, Honky, uh, was it clear to you one way or the other? It's clear to me what they're going to do. I don't know that I consider and say that I'm, I'm fully supportive of it. Not that that, not that they're asking me either, by the way. Um, it's clear that Tanner Lee is going to be the starter. I think it was probably clear that he was going to be the starter back in February on signing day when Billy Devaney said he would probably be the starter or said as much. I think they all do something well. And we talked about last week about how Gebbia, I thought, you know, he looked really good throwing the ball on the run. I thought he looked good on the run again yesterday throwing it. Um, I think if you keep Tanner Lee in the pocket, and we talked about that last week, if you keep him in the pocket, that guy's going to throw some some incredible passes. And, and Mac last week talked about how, how Lee can hit certain passes and, and get balls into certain zones. And you saw that yesterday. There were certain passes that Lee threw that I don't even know if the other two would try to throw. Again, that doesn't mean he should be the starter. It just means he's successfully throwing some of those passes, and then there are strengths that P.O.B. has. My biggest concern right now with the QBs is simply we have basically gone through an entire spring where at least the three scrimmages that we know of, the one that we went to, 
and then last week's that wasn't having tackling involved, and then the spring game. I haven't seen these QBs get hurt, uh, hit, not hurt, sorry. And so without getting hit, I'm just I'm concerned that you can have a, a true battle and be done with it. You know, if they make the announcement a week from now and say, okay, Lee is the starter, as we presume they're going to do, I'm just concerned that is that enough to go off of? And and I'm, I'm curious kind of what Mac, you know, thinks on that. Um, I think, you know, Riley's made it clear in his past that the one thing he values above everything else, a quarterback play is game experience, you know, and, and, and that's what Tanner has. It's probably not a mistake to let him get the first starts, but it's also pretty realistic to think that he might not make it a whole year, you know, and, and Patrick O'Brien's going to be needed. And I, if, if that was, that's how I'd sell it to, to POB is, Hey man, you, you stay ready keep grinding, you'll probably get a chance to play because Tanner hasn't made it through a full season yet, has he? I mean, both of his first two oh, years that's at, a good at, question. At Tulane, he hasn't made it through a full year. I don't actually know his game-by-game stats by Tulane, but that, that could make some sense. Honky, um, this reminds me of uh, a story you were telling a while back. Uh, maybe it was it was during Zach Taylor days, I want to say, where where they had a scrimmage, and this would have been Callahan, right? Is that right? And uh, it was live, live, live action, and he took the 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 beating and essentially earned the starting uh, QB position out of that that scrimmage, right? I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to bring that up, Dave, and 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 not you're 100 percent right, Mac. By the way, I'm not arguing what you're saying. I'm that I, I hate the idea that we'd even have to sell it, sell anything to POB. I just want did we did some did the right guy earn it and win it on the field? in all the settings you're going to have. And that exact scrimmage you're talking about, Dave, that was the 2005 Coaches Clinic, and that was probably, the, in my opinion, the highlight of the entire Callahan era. It was a 200-play scrimmage. It was Zach Taylor leading an, leading a, an offense that, at the beginning of the scrimmage, Joe Daly is the starter. And by the end of the scrimmage, Joe Daly is no longer the starter. It was full pad, no green jersey, full contact, and... And it was Zach Taylor, a play that sticks out in my mind was he took a hit, and he didn't take a hit from the third-string safety. He took it from Adam Carricker, who had Lakeven Smith, Titus Adams, and Jay Moore next to him on the line. Takes a hit, and it was a pretty bad hit, and gets up in real time with, with, with refs on the field, in real time, gets into the huddle, calls the next play, and the next play I think he completed like a four-yard out. Nothing crazy impressive. It was just the fact that he did real football. You know, he got hit. He, he, he made the next play call. He completed the next play. You know, he, that was the execution in total, in total football sense. And so what we saw in our scrimmage two weeks ago where there was full contact with the exception of on the quarterback, and then what we saw yesterday in the, in the, in the, uh, the spring game, which was the same thing, it was good play by the QB. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say they didn't play well. They threw balls that were, you know, and completed passes. But it's still not football yet. It's not football until you're taking those live hits, and I don't know how Tanner Lee takes a hit from, uh, you know, from from Mick Stoltenberg, and I don't know how he gets up from that. That's the question I I have right now, and and I don't know how you can decide who the starting QB is until you've seen that. Now, I and I'm I, I'm rambling a little bit. Let me just say one other thing. Maybe they saw some of that last year in those Sunday scrimmages that they were doing. So maybe there was some contact on those QBs then. But the only thing I would say with that is the, the contact that was happening to those guys, again, wasn't with your first string D line. It was with the guys that were playing in that scrimmage. So that's that's my only caveat. But the, but having said that, the QBs looked amazing yesterday doing the things they did. 
Absolutely. That's good to hear. Uh, Mac, I I think maybe your point, though, to that was is that they have footage on Lee over two years at Tulane and seeing how well he plays in, 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 you know, real games, real football. Yeah, exactly. At, at, you know, a college-level talent, too. At college-level speed, too, which makes a big difference. And I tell you what. Patrick O'Brien did not hurt his chances yesterday at all. He played. He played hard. You know, he wasn't afraid to throw over the middle and deep. He's got all the tools as well. I mean, we're sitting really nice at, at quarterback. I mean, we haven't talked about Gebbia yet, but wow. That kid was if, – if, if we didn't have Tanner Lee and Patrick O'Brien, you know how hyped up this fan base would be for, for Gebbia right now to play next this coming year. I mean, he Agreed. with with he that kind of spring good, that know. he had, he would have all kinds of hype. Let's uh, hold on before we move on to Gabby, which actually I do want to spend some time on. Uh, Skip, you got some information on yeah. Tanner Lee? Yeah, um, Lee missed two games as a freshman, back to back in the middle of the season, and three games as a sophomore. See, so totally unreliable. <laughs> so he missed five games in those two years. If you're keeping score, that's a McGuire fact check win. <laughs> well, it's a honky fact check win in the fact that. I wanted this to be an apples to apples comparison. I, I don't think we should be. He shouldn't be the starter because of what he did two years ago at Tulane. I want him compared yeah, against POB in no, live, that's live true. contact. That's true. So let's let's a uh, little bit more on uh, Jebbia uh, because I did. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not the X's and O's guys like you guys, but I'm watching that game, and even on the white side, which you could tell was stacked against. I thought uh, Jebbia looked pretty dang good for a guy that should be in high school. Um, and uh, it seems like there's a lot of promise there. A guy needs to gain, gain some weight. It looks really thin out there, but he uh, looked pretty sharp for uh, I thought he uh, was the punter the first time he came out. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, yeah, you, you know want to go it, off on him a little bit? Uh, you know, what he did, and I'm not going to – I don't want to jump on the, the Gebbia hype train. It just was really refreshing to see uh, a big-time recruit come in here and play – like a baller. I mean, the kid has a certain uh, a certain moxie to him. He looks in control out there. You know, when he drops back, he sets his back foot. He looks at two checks and he gets rid of the ball. I mean, he really has the, he had the first team defense yeah. coming at him. He never looked rattled to me. You know, if he yeah. could get the ball delivered, he'd throw it hard to get it in there. There was no uh, tentativeness in his game whatsoever. And you know, and I know this is vanilla. I know he was he was set up for success today. But he threw the ball over forty times, and he did a good job. He ran when he needed to. He checked down when he needed to. I mean, the the game didn't look confusing for this kid at all. And for the age that he's at, uh, pretty impressive game. Pretty impressive game. And and he's got a year to grow. I mean, he's got this free year to pass. I mean, my goodness, he could be a force next year. If everything we saw in one spring game is true forever, <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I'm just happy. I'm happy to have three QBs that that look competent running the same offense right now, and that's that's a step up from from years past where things would change from one QB to the next. I mean, this looks like all three can run the same offense, and they'll keep getting better in it and everything. I and I assume it, again, this game was built for the fans. It was built for TV. I don't think we're going to be throwing the ball as much as we saw yesterday, and that's. Only because I mean you're going to see guys like Trey Bryant. I hope get more than three carries. I mean, yeah, obviously, absolutely. sure. Obviously, but that's not going to be you know, his great final stat at the quarterback line. spot for the first time in a long yeah. time. We've had essentially two quarterbacks for over eight years, so I think that's a refreshing uh, change yeah. uh, overall in the program. Um, and how but, nice that, that they're all the same style. So like every time a quarterback oh, yeah. doesn't go down, you have to go. Okay, now we have to run it like this. You know, these guys all are capable of running the same offense. 
which gives you so much continuity if somebody doesn't go down. Absolutely. All but, of that said, that pass that Lee threw, that corner one to, pretty, to huh? Spielman. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty. If yeah. our listeners and haven't was, seen it, that's the one these... thing you should watch the spring game for. I mean, I saw it live, and I was just oh. like, oh, that's that's the throw that it just – that's it's hard to Dude, put it in that window. I had these VIP seats in, in, in row 60, and he <laughs> threw it right at us. Like, yeah. It, it oh, you were in that corner. The angle. Like, I – I couldn't see the catch because, you know, it happened in the end zone and Memorial Stadium is built, you know, stupidly. So I couldn't see the actual catch itself. It happened below the, the first row there. But the angle and everything, that ball was coming right at us, and it was amazing. <laughs> it's the best throw I've seen in that stadium since probably someone else threw a ball against us. So. Yeah, it, it was pretty, absolutely. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time on the quarterbacks, but, I mean, uh, elsewhere on, on the offensive side of the ball um, – you know, wide receiver, uh, J.D. Spillman looked good. Um, you know, Keyshawn had a fumble, actually, but at least he was out there. We obviously did, were a little shorthanded because we didn't have Javion McQuinney or... Um, Stanley Morgan. Or Stanley Morgan. Um, but overall, I mean, the wide receivers looked okay, right? Do you have any any stars there that you want to point out? You know, Williams' kid caught some balls yeah. there, and he looked good, and... and DP, he didn't make a lot of catches, but I was just watching him running some routes there. He just he does look like the explosiveness is, is back, and I think we're going to see a, a good year out of him. And and uh, again, if we get a heavy dosage of DP and, and Stanley Morgan next year, I don't I don't know again that I care so much who number seven and eight and nine is on the depth chart. It's going to be those two guys hopefully getting the bulk of the catches. I'd like to see us get to a point again or again for once. I'd like to see us have that guy that has 55 catches and 900 yards, you know, and then maybe a second guy that has 45 catches and 800 yards. And then once you get past that, you know, tight ends and running backs and all those guys are going to get some of theirs too. But those two top receivers, DP and Stanley Morgan, should be should be having a field day next, yeah. next year. And tight end-wise, Hoppus uh, was out there catching a lot of balls. Um, anybody else uh, in that from that, in, from that position? Well, Inglehop gets open. I mean, if he can just, you know, squeeze the ball in, I think that guy's that guy's pretty athletic. He looks good out there. And then Matt Snyder, he caught a ball towards the end. All the oh, tight yeah, ends. I forgot about Snyder. It's going to be a – all the tight ends are going to be – they're yeah, focusing totally. on those guys. But all the quarterbacks seem to know how to find them. I mean, that seemed – and the running backs, too. I, You know, the wide receivers had an okay day. I think Matt's right. Williams, Williams played really well. And then, of course, um, Spielman had a good day. But – the backs out of the backfield all caught well, and I was so happy with where the quarterbacks were placing the balls on those swing passes that allowed those guys to get upfield quickly. It wasn't this catch, miraculous catch, oh, yeah. stumble, wobble, then turn and square and get smacked by a defensive back who had 10 yards to cover. You know, These guys get a chance to move, and that's going to make a big difference in this offense next year. Yeah, running back wise, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of uh, Mazur, um, who um, yeah did look a little bit like Woodhead. I got to give him a little bit of credit. He really on that. did. Um, yeah. he, I Austin I can see Rose him making the hard. field sometime next year. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, I even mean, Adam it wasn't Taylor a big running play. back day, but overall they looked good. I think the two positions we just talked about, tight end, who stole also caught you know a touchdown from from Lee. So that's one more guy to throw in the mix. I think two of the offensive positions I'm most intrigued to see what, what happens when incoming frost start to add depth to it over the summer is tight ends and running backs. And tight ends, when we get to, you know an Austin Allen, add him into that, that mix. And you add 
uh, Reftal, I think his, his last name is. And then oh, at yeah. running back, I liked what I saw yesterday, but you know, you throw in Bradley on top of that. It's just that I think we're in good positions in, in, in both of those spots. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you know, I, I think overall uh, offensive uh, breakdown from the spring game, um, quarterbacks look good. Lee's probably going to win the job, even though we're feeling good about that uh, position overall. And um, I think uh, we're going to be uh, looking at a very different offense than we've seen the last um, several years um, starting um, this fall. So God uh, when, <laughs> that's right. Go Big Red cast producer Skip here. We hope you've been enjoying the podcast. If you'd like to follow along throughout the year, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can also listen and follow on our SoundCloud page. And if you like what you've been hearing, please tell a friend or family member about it who you think would also enjoy this Husker talk. If you have any questions, comments, disagreements, or topics you'd like to see discussed or debated, email us at gobigredcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on social media and follow along with the crew as they post and crack wise about all things Husker sports on Twitter and Facebook at Go Big Redcast. Now, back to the show. Throw the bones. The defensive breakdown. All right, we are throwing the bones on the Go Big Redcast. Uh, this is our defensive breakdown of the spring game. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I was really looking forward to this because we were supposed to see the 3-4 from uh, Bob Diaco, and uh, we saw something completely different. We saw a essentially a 4-3 vanilla defense uh, that was thrown out there. Um, I'm not quite for sure the advantage of that, uh, considering we've uh, seen uh, UConn defense and Notre Dame defense over the last seven years, but maybe uh, Bobby D's got something really special up his sleeves. Uh, but overall, we can break down a lot of the individual performances, a lot of good stuff to actually see out there. Um, and, you know, overall, I think there's uh, some some really exciting uh, things happening on that side of the ball. Uh, yeah, hey, you know, Honk, before we get in there, I, I've noticed that I'm just talking to you and, and Mac again. Uh, where's Boomer tonight? What, what happened to him again? Uh, he couldn't make it. He uh, got stuck in the blood pressure machine at Walmart and he couldn't get out. But <sighs> he thinks he's going to be able to make it next week. So, uh, you know. What what part of him was stuck? Just his arm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I don't know. Well, Walmart, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't trust that. So you can put know. your leg in there. Your leg will fit. That was. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe that's it. Uh, well, you know what? Talking talking about uh, you know really really large arms and legs. Uh, looking at some of the defensive guys, we have it feels like we've bulked up. Uh, you know, I was looking at that that game and someone like Mick Stoltenberg. You know, we've heard you know how big he looks, and I looked at him and I'm like, this guy looks like someone from like the mid '80s. Like he should have had a neck roll on. You know, I mean, guy is a big guy. Uh, and other guys, Gifford has added a lot of weight. Uh, linebackers have, have bulked up. Um, feels like uh, they've definitely been, uh, you know, hitting the weight room here this this off season. Guys, what what did you see uh, on the defensive side of the ball that stuck out um, overall, individual performance wise? I suppose. Honky. Guess I would say it was a, it was a little challenging on D line to to and really that whole front seven it was hard to see kind of what was going on just because there wasn't a lot of it was very vanilla there wasn't blitzes and all that i will say whatever our d line is doing to make our centers snap really crappy shotgun snaps still they need to keep doing that when the when the season goes on because i saw a number of those but in general our d line i just thought you know 
the starting D line kind of did what it was supposed to. We didn't really get a sack on Gebbio, but he was running quite a few different plays. So, I mean, he was not running for his life necessarily, but he was getting on the run. And that's, I think they're doing what they're supposed to without really bringing much blitz. And then I thought there was really solid tackling for the most part with that, with the first string, the, the red defense. I mean, you didn't see a whole lot of misses going on there. Mac yourself. No, yeah. I thought the red looked pretty good on the, on the whole. I mean, it was pretty obvious they were running a defense they hadn't practiced much during the spring, but you know you can still gauge things like pursuit, and and they were all flying to the ball pretty well, and they were tackling really well at that at that you know red team level. The white team I thought, you know, missed a few tackles here and there, maybe played just a little more tentative, but that that's to be expected. They're the younger guys, generally the guys with less playing time, but. You know, saw some hustle plays out there. Saw some forced turnovers. That was nice to see. You know, um, you could you could tell that Diaco's kind of put his imprint on this defense already. Even running a, a scheme that they don't particularly, are, you know, are very familiar with. So yeah, I was encouraged felt, by it. I guess you felt like you, even even though it was four three, you saw, felt like you saw the Diaco uh, fingerprints on on some of the uh, overall performance. Sure, like the mentality after the turnovers, you know, the, you know how excited they all get about that. That's all part of how, you know, he he teaches defense. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty pretty cool to see. Yeah, he was fired up. Speaking of turnovers, uh, Luke Gifford had a fumble recovery or fumble strip and a INT. Is that right? He definitely stood yeah, out to me. Force fumble yep. and force fumble in the INT. Yeah. yeah, with a broken with a broken thumb. Yeah, you know, it was one handed INT, pretty decent. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, you know, it's, speaking of of um, going with this vanilla defense in the four three, what actual? I got two things on this, so don't even forget the second one. First one though is the strategy behind this. I mean, do we really gain that much from not showing our opponents uh, next fall on what the Bob Diaco Nebraska defense uh, was uh, in the spring game? But, it's it's weird. I mean, you know, it, it seems like you know, there's a lot of film that Diaco's put out there that they could go ahead and look at, unless we're going to do something completely radical. And, you know, it's funny because, Honky, you asked the question to Perella at the coaches clinic about how they're going to play the, the the defensive nose technique, and he was like, I'm not going to talk about that. You know, that, that just sort of kind of carries yeah, over to this week. It's like, well, gap, if this game yeah. wasn't going to be on TV, we might have we done a 3-4, but since it is, we're not putting any of that out there. I mean... It's it's kind of funny for as open as this staff is on a lot of topics, they're pretty close lipped about how they're going to do this this three four. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see. It, I mean, how different can I mean, it be, ha- right? Well, <laughs> having seen some of the three four at, at the coaches clinic, I mean, we got to watch some of what they're doing, and assuming that was the three four that we're going to we? be seeing, there is I, you know, I can't picture that there would have been a whole lot of. You know, new new little. They could have had a very vanilla three four defense if they wanted to. You know, they could have just lined up in the three four and and not blitzed and done all the same things. So, I guess you know, call this call this a little gamesmanship, and and that's fine. I was I was interested in watching Diaco after Gebbia ran that touchdown in, and you know, the white goes up seven six, and I was just interested to kind of see him on the sideline. And I mean, he's he's what you expect. He almost reminded me of Pliny as a DC how he got the guys together on the sideline and that defense, you know, kind of circled around him and he has the board up and he looks very animated, you know, and, and 
for whatever it's worth, again, spring game, take it, you know, for a grain of salt, but for whatever it's worth, that that red defense didn't give up another score. So, you know, I mean, I it, whatever corrections I guess that he felt he needed to make there, it seemed to seemed to take hold with his guys. It's true. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was animated on the sideline, no doubt. I mean, especially over the the turnovers. Um yeah, another thing I wanted to ask about was the what you actually get out of a spring game in the sense that I was I was watching the Big Ten Network this weekend. There's the Minnesota spring game, Ohio State, Michigan. A lot of them were a lot more competitive than ours. Some of them played it, you know, really played a game. Um, it didn't seem like that was the intent of, of our spring game at, at all. Um, how, how much is lost on on the 15th uh, practice of spring and you know, essentially like the third scrimmage? Being, I feel like a little bit of a, a throwaway from an evaluation standpoint, or, or, or maybe I'm overstating that. I, I think there's a couple different things to evaluate. I mean, number one, I think everyone would agree the most important number one thing that comes out of the game is no injuries. And in that sure. regard, we came away pretty clean. But on top of that, I will say there was a lot of young guys playing, and as opposed to Minnesota, which I think probably had 14 people there, we had 78,000. And for our young guys, there's just an evaluation of how you – play in front of that many people you know uh, I don't know what role Keyshawn as an example is going to have on the team next year as a true frosh but I know he hasn't played in front of 78,000 so the fact he caught a ball and fumbled it okay you know I've, I've given some props to to Inglehop you know last week and I saw him play pretty well against Scotus in the Class C1 championship game in Memorial Stadium there wasn't 78,000 people for the Class C1 championship game so you know the fact that he was playing there yesterday had two drops early in the game, but then came back and had that nice catch that led to the the white team's one touchdown, you know, that's, that's an evaluation. So you can evaluate a lot of different things and the coaches probably maybe aren't going to get some of the same evaluation of specific, you know, bl- obviously like if they were evalu- evaluating blitzes, they're probably not going to get a lot out of yesterday, but th- I'm sure they, they have plenty to evaluate off the rest of the spring for that. So there's some good things that came out of the game and that still for just the, just the setting, the environment. Yeah, I mean, it's different playing in front of 78,000, no doubt about it. Um, anybody else that stood out um, on at any level of the defense? Um, or actually, maybe a better question, um, any concerns? I mean, what, what was out there that you're like, you know, uh, uh, someone that maybe uh, didn't have the best spring spring uh, game at all? I, I did not care for uh, Jackson's, Lamar Jackson's tackling. I thought he went into contact very soft. And I was really disappointed with that because I thought he did that last year too, and I was going to chalk that up to freshman. But him, you know, there, I hear a lot about getting him on the field and getting the best athletes out there, but he doesn't seem to love contact, which is crazy because he's a big kid. He's what yeah. the six three two fifteen guy. As a corner, but there were a couple couple plays I saw him come in slow, get juked, or just sort of try to wave at a guy instead of tackling him. Uh, that I wasn't impressed with, you know, Kalu, the guy he replaced, I saw him flying all over the place and hitting people. So it's not, it's, it's not the whole defense that's having a problem. It's a matter of he's got to, he's got to flip that switch and and start hitting a little bit. And I think he'd be fine, you know. He just he has to get what's used the, to playing at that. What's speed. the coaching staff seeing then that that we're not seeing in a scrimmage like that? Then right? I mean, I, I think they're seeing potential and for sure, and, sure. And, and from a coverage standpoint, I think they're seeing a six two or six three corner that gives them something maybe that that say Kalu doesn't give you, you know, just from a pure height standpoint. But I agree with Mac there. The touchdown that Gebbia had on that zone read, you know, uh, uh, Jackson allowed himself to get inside on that on the, the receiver. The receiver was blocking him in, and, and Gebbia had a, had a pretty clear route to the outside there. And 
I think, and I also agree with Mac on on Jackson maybe being the biggest concern guy. If I could find one out of the whole day, it, and and for no other reason, not that he was terrible. I, I'm not. I don't want to come off like that, but it's just it, it's who is he replacing? You know, we're putting him on the field because we don't want Kalu to be there. We want Kalu to be in another position. Well, this gets back to we talked about it a little bit last week. Well, then you better be pretty darn good to replace Kalu at that position. And and if there's weaknesses, then it starts to say, should we be putting Kalu back there? And we've got other safeties, whether it be one of, you know, you've got Aaron Williams, but then you got Kieran Williams and Antonio Reed. And, and, you know, I mean, there's other guys that could be playing safety too. So best four, I don't know that Jackson to me is one of those best four yet. Yeah. I think he's getting in on a lot of base on his, and I hate to say this and I, and I almost cringe to say it, but it seems like his potential based on, you know, the kind of recruit he was, it seems like he's almost kind of coasting in on that reputation a little bit because I haven't really seen him make plenty a of other four of stars out he there played that a lot. aren't getting he, that type of, you know, you know we look at Avery Anderson Eric and Eric Lee, <laughs> uh, Desmuke. Uh, I mean, but I mean, he was the highest rated four yeah, star we've I, ever had. He was the 6.0, you know, one more decimal point and he's a five star. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It, he, the light can still come on for him. He, he's only a sophomore. He's a true sophomore, and we're not even at the beginning of the season. I'm just saying his tackling needs to improve. Uh, his aggressiveness needs to improve. I mean, he's he's an athlete for sure. You know, he can definitely – he has the tools to be good. So, Yeah, it's we'll amazing see. how those decimal points don't mean as much anymore when they actually put the, the helmet on and get out there, you know. It well, I think if you'd had that one February, more, that's but... probably the tackling That's probably the tackling <laughs> decimal. That would, that's what that I'm point, right? That would be the tackling would be decimal. Tackle. I they, you. you know, we should probably practice tackling more. I think maybe that might help. Maybe we should yeah. be more physical in practice. That's, a, that's another argument for another Jackson day. To play right? real well, he ain't going to get any better tackling quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry uh, DiNardo is going to – he's not going to be pleased when he when he takes the BTN tour again, I, I think. If that yeah, probably not. So. Probably not. Uh, anything else uh, defensive-wise, uh, guys, you guys want to talk about? Anybody else that stood out um, that might be worth mentioning? You know, they, they – just because they've done well enough and, and they don't – you assume it. I think the Davis Twins, again, just – they look good. They were dominating. And I thought actually – I know this gets back to an offensive discussion, but I thought our O-lines, I'm giving them a lot of credit too. I thought both the white and the red O-lines overall did a nice job against the D-lines. But still having said that, I I, I thought our D-line, the, the Davises, those guys were, were all over the field. I thought I thought Neil looked really good at, at the outside spot. Freedom. I'm just not sure if I'm. Maybe I have unrealistic expectations for the guy. I I guess I was watching him last spring and I, I was you know predicting 15 sacks or something stupid out of the guy last year and I'm just not seeing it yet. And again, spring game vanilla. I don't know what to make out of it, but I just keep assuming I'm going to see more. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, well, Mac, anything else before we wrap this up? No, no that's, gonna, that pretty much covers it. Hey, I got a question know. for you, hey, all, all yeah, you guys. Skip, um, jump in. How man. far has your emotional pendulum ever swung after watching a spring game? Have you ever walked away super excited, not expecting to be, or conversely, really let down one year? Mm, that's well, the one that year that it was canceled, I was pretty let down. I gotta admit that was <laughs> that was that was rough. I was like, what? No After spring game? watching a real game. Oh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll let these guys go first. Honky, uh, is there anything that really uh, really piqued your interest? 
Well, I, I still think Brian Knuckles is going to win a Heisman. So I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't know what else to say there. But, uh, well, you know, when, when Bobby Newcomb really came off strong in the 98 one, you know, we're coming right off of uh, first year for Solich, and he ran like a 90-yard option run for mm-hmm. a touchdown. I probably came out of that one, you know, a little giddy and thinking, you know, that, that uh, you know, there's no way he won't be our, our starter for the next three years at QB. So, you know, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I'm 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 more prone to fall for it than be come come off more skeptical. So yeah, Bobby Newcomb got me too. I thought he was going to be great, and Frankie London got me one year. I thought he was going to be great. <laughs> uh, and defensively, Stuart Bradley had a great game, like oh, his redshirt yeah. freshman year, I think it was, and he was still a, a walk on at the time. And it was like, okay, well, you know, there's just your typical. Six four hulking beastly six you know six four two forty linebacker making great plays. Boy, he might actually be good, but nah, nah, nah. It's He's a just a walk on. He know. couldn't be that good. It's right? just a walk on. There's no no chance he'll, he'll ever do play in the NFL. So. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. Uh, no, that's a good question, Skip. I, I I can't think of one in particular where uh, I was let down uh, per se, um, and. Super excited. That's that's. I mean, I think the guys hit, hit hit a few on the on the head there. Um, you know, the, the, the times they've had green jerseys on QBs, I've been let down. Yeah, yeah, that that just at least even though they weren't even though they weren't getting hit on Saturday, they weren't wearing green jerseys, and I appreciate that. You hate the color green. Oh my God! Stop it! Stop putting with a, a name different... like O'Brien. Just he stupid. should be wearing green, right? That's really? right. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys, let's, uh, let's wrap that for uh, Throwing the Bones. You're listening to the Go Big Redcast. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, we are uh, talking about uh, all things Husker program and recruiting with Scarlet Colored Glasses. You know, um, I, the spring game has become a vehicle for uh, recruiting and selling the program. Uh, as a whole, uh, I think this year is uh, that to the nth degree. Uh, R- Riley and his entire coaching staff has emphasized the um, the ability of the spring game to really uh, make a Nebraska football stand out. Very few other uh, programs can get 78,000 to their uh, stadium for a scrimmage. And uh, we uh, were uh, did a lot of great success this, this year. We had four commits, actually. Um, over uh, the weekend, starting hey Dave, with Brandon. Dave, can, right. Oh, can I, can I cut in a little bit? I'm sorry, man. Already, I, I couldn't even get the name out. Jeez. I can't. Well, okay. Look, look. I, I gotta tell you, I'm not. My let me preface by saying I, I love what the staff is doing. I mean, my gosh, they they're getting great. You know, they're getting a lot of players in here. But can we not call them commits? I mean, at, at the very least, unsigned pledges. I think is what it is because I think these guys. What happens is we all ooh and ah over the fact that they commit today. And in case, you know, one of those guys, I think he's like a 2032 guy. So it's like there's yeah, the a guy chance from Texas, uh, might, yeah, there's a chance Basson, he might yeah. decommit. And so I, I'm fine with calling them them unsigned pledges. I think that would be un, uh, that would be correct. And then once they commit would be when they actually put pen to paper and they become a commitment. I've just seen too many of the Jameer Calvins to get too worked up yet. But I hear you. I understand that. that. The word I'm commitment glad, seems strong. I'm glad strong. they have, have unsigned issue. pledges versus not having yeah. unsigned pledges. Well, let me, you know, let me say that very clearly. It, maybe, maybe it's a p- part of uh, you know our 
bit of the English English language here, but uh, yeah, pledge um, is something to me. Actually, I looked it up. I actually mentioned this, and I'm like, that's a solemn promise. I mean, that's actually pretty serious. Uh, maybe more so than commit. And I know, Honky, you're a frat boy, so. Uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, if if you don't know what Honky looks like, uh, you know that movie that's been out, uh, like uh, Neighbors or something like that, with uh, Zac Efron. That that is Honky. I mean, he is the prototypical frat boy. Very attractive. Honky looks just like Zac Efron. I yeah, exactly. I also, um, uh, I also and have some history with he, the English language. He lives the Greek lifestyle, even though he's and forty. It, it, and in the English language, they have a thing called verbs and nouns, and I would agree the verb of pledge. Uh, Certainly uh, would would sound like stronger than commitment, but from the frat days, uh, when you think of a pledge as a noun, as a person, a pledge is somebody that has not yet been able to graduate to actual active member to become and a brother. These guys that we got right now, these re, these these uh, what I'll call unsigned pledges, they are not active members of the team until they sign and get get their name to paper. So. I am fine, and Dave, maybe maybe this is a contest you'd like to throw out. Yeah, let's there. throw I don't it care, out. But, I think it's a good idea. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm I, I vote I'm going to call them unsigned pledges until they until they commit, and when they commit, I will believe me, I will put them on the wall and circle them in red marker. But until then, they are real. That right, I'm so glad we're, we're we gonna, have them. That sounds gonna, murdery. To, for this show, we're going to go between. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound kind of freaky. I got to admit. Um, <laughs> But uh, for this show, we will try to either call them commits or pledges. I'm yeah. I'm fine with either. But let's throw it. That out was to our kind listeners. of Billy Madison. Like I don't I don't think I like that. Now. I'm not going to put them the on a list and I'll cross them off as they go. <laughs> and then I'm going to put some lipstick on and, and, and then I'll uh, track them down. Okay, I'm not going to go social that far. media and destroy them. So let's but let's I, ask the listeners. I, just, I, I have trouble calling it a commit until they actually sign. Let's let's a, 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 anybody who's listening still to this show, uh, please either email or on Facebook. Let us know if you think uh, commit is is fine. If that bugs the heck out of you, uh, do you like pledge? If you don't like pledge, give us something else. We're yeah, finding, trying to find nice. a better word for these players, uh, high school players that are considering choosing Nebraska as their next place of uh, football and academic success. And so, fellas, what do you consider considering? I mean, some people, if you go to like a rivals page, will have 12 schools listed. Do you guys feel like they're considering you if you're one of 12? Well, or, that's, or that's when a, you get down to one the of problem. six. Is that when let's just run down the list here? All right. So uh, on Friday night uh, via Twitter uh, with a very well made uh, video, uh, Brandon nice Radley really nice Radley Hiles, um, known as Bookie, uh, did a, an awesome video. Who um, and he quote unquote says, "I'm committed to Nebraska." Uh, that's different than just having a, a list of schools that have said offer me, and then many of them will at some point during their process, narrow it down to their top 10, their top five, their top three, to eventually saying it. They, they drag it out. They, they use their social media um, to make a big deal and bring attention to themselves. Um, many of them going all till National Signing Day in February, which I think we're going to get to uh, some of our, our rules changes here coming up, which are going to really evolve this whole storyline. But as of right now, that's, that's a whole thing unto itself. That's how Rivals and Scout are, is making money, is they're selling subscriptions for us or others to to pay to find out who's actually wanting to go to Nebraska but yet have not actually quote unquote said they're committed to Honky's point many of these guys after they commit decommit um we had Jameer Calvin commit to Nebraska 
soft, supposedly, like everybody knows he's coming. Then on national TV goes to Oregon State, and then he decommits from Oregon State. Then he actually commits to Nebraska via Twitter. And then two days later, he decommits from Nebraska and goes to Washington State uh, on National Signing Day. He's uh, that's not welcome in Lincoln or Corvallis. It drives, drives you crazy. And the fact is, these kids are 17 or 18 <laughs> years old, and it's like, why are we actually paying attention? Uh, yeah, it's well, because you, we're... You mentioned with, like, with Bookie, as an example, you, you said earlier that he committed to Nebraska. And... This is part of part of my issue is that do these guys commit to Nebraska or obviously in Bookie's case he's committing to Dante Williams who he's known since he was you know a, like five years old. Well, if you look at our DBs coaches you know history the last five years we've literally had like five different coaches. So I would like to think Dante Williams will be here a year from now or two years from now. But we sit here and we say that kid's committed to Nebraska. And then if Dante Williams leaves at the end of the, the bowl season and gets that job at USC or just whatever happens, right? The, the hundreds of things that happen after the season that, that we can't predict right now, is he still committed to Nebraska or does he immediately follow and change suit? Elijah Blades was committed to Florida until he switched and came to Nebraska. So, you know, that's that's my challenge of calling them commits and 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 that's why i you know i'm like they, they are good unsigned pledges i am so glad we have them i hope well, we get more unsigned pledges. let's run down the, the the pledge list here really quick and then i'll i'll ask you a, a question on each one of them uh so we have bookie riley hiles uh next one was uh manuel allen uh wide receiver who was a former usc uh pledge um before he <laughs> decommitted go. already um, oh, we got his commitment. Yes. yes. See, and yeah, once then you get those had, guys, no way he's going anywhere else. Yeah. Um, a wide receiver in the 2019 class, who um, uh, I'm, I'm going to get his name wrong. Guys, uh, Basan, is that right? I'm looking him. Yeah. So, uh, uh, like like sheep's wool. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I got to tell you, when they're more uh, he's than from, a year he's, out, I do not commit. He's those from names uh, to Dunn, though. Same same school as um, Damian Daniels. Um, yeah. So he's our first 2019 uh, commit. And then uh, just today, uh, we heard uh, Tate Wildman from uh, Parker, Colorado, actually out in, uh, in uh, the great state of Colorado where uh, Mac and I are living right now, uh, oh. committed. So I like the idea of the DN having the last name Wildman. But, um, <laughs> so let's start with Bookie really quick. And this, let's do a quick hits on this, guys. Um, with Bookie, yeah, I think it's really awesome that he did actually commit this weekend because I think Riley was looking for energy, and uh, he's had a long-standing relationship with Riley and uh, Dante Williams, and he said he wasn't going to commit till the summer, where it was going to be the anniversary or his like his his uh, his brother who passed away's uh, birthday or, or death, but he ended up committing anyway. Um, what did that mean for for Riley that he actually went ahead and did it this weekend? Well, I think it really gets the ball rolling for I mean, it's him. It's a great you know, start. It, it, you know, the, yeah, it's he's a the catalyst, huge momentum right? start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get to use the spring game, and it works exactly as you had hoped. You know, you get your you're probably at this point the marquee guy on on their list. I mean, he was he was clearly a corner they invested a lot of time with. I mean, over over a year now of a relationship uh, with just Nebraska. You mentioned he's he's known Dante Williams even longer than that, but. Um, so just it's, it's nice to get those guys on boards, seemingly, you know, pledge mm-hmm. status, whatever you want to call them. But, you know, these, he's the type of player that, that is a really good peer recruiter. And that really seems to be the name of the game anymore. You know, you get their guys That's the truth. and you get them out there and they start doing social media for you and start 
you know, getting getting that name out there. I mean, and I think you can see last year that had a lot of benefits for us. I mean, I yep. there's no doubt in my mind that that getting Keyshawn Johnson um, added to us getting Jebbia, and then you know, I think um, I'm trying, I'm missing on his name. Although the other big time wide receiver he got last year, McQuitty, Tyjon Lindsay, and yeah, Tyjon Lindsay. There's another one, exactly. So. No, yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely. huge, huge. Great snag. If we would have only gotten him this weekend, I would have called this a success. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Honky, anything on, on uh, Pledge Bookie, or you want to move on well, to just, uh, Alan? As far as Bookie goes, I, I do have to say I, that I, I'm usually turned off by some of the, the videos that they do, but that was one of the, obviously, it was a tribute, and it was one of the best ones I've seen done. And, I mean, kudos to him, and he's got an amazing story, and I'm – I'm, I am very glad that we have him, I, you know, pledge or commit or whatever you want to call it. I'm glad that we have him and he is a key early guy to get. Uh, and I, and I think it will pay dividends down the road with other guys. Other recruits that, uh, committed or pledged this, uh, weekend, uh, Manuel Allen, a former USC commit, uh, from USC, uh, looks like the Calabrasca movement is, uh, still going strong. We got a 2019 commit um, from, uh, I think, Marquez uh, Bassan from uh, Dallas. Uh, same same high school as uh, uh, Damian Daniels. Uh, so we might have a little bit of a pipeline going there. Uh, that's cool. And then, um, then we had uh, Tate Wildman, uh, who is from Parker, Colorado. A DN, last name of Wildman. I, I'm, I'm liking that one a lot. Uh, Honky, you got anything to, to add on these guys? Well, I think if nothing else, it's it might be a, a good sign that if they're signing early, especially in maybe positions where we know we're only going to get two or three guys, let's say, you know, like a wide receiver spot. I'm not sure what our exact number is going to be. But when a kid wants to sign early like this, or I'm sorry, pledge early, then I guess maybe that tells me that, that they realize that, it, you know, they can't just wait around on this, that there is actually, there's competition for this spot. And so I like it when a kid you know, does make that decision early and, and wants to jump on it before someone else gets it from him. Cause there's other, there's obviously other kids. There are other kids that were there this, this, uh, this weekend that are going for those exact same positions that the kids that just, uh, just committed to or pledged to. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think having, we have, I want to say seven commits right now at this point, which, um, is, is a, quite a bit for, uh, a, a Nebraska. We're not typically, that much on the early uh, signees, I think that puts us actually in the top ten in in at rivals and at least twenty four seven. Obviously, very early, um, but to have four four star four star recruits and seven total um, at mid April is a good start. Considering we're probably looking at a small class of of twenty or so, um, so definitely a good start. Uh, spring game did its job in that that sense uh, completely. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up scarlet colored glasses and uh, move on to uh, a few more topics to wrap up the show. Trivia time! Trivia time! Hey, honk! I got a question for you. Um, we've been talking about the spring game and the phenomenon that it, what it is. Uh, when was the very first Nebraska spring game? Any idea? Yeah, I. I know that we used to play instead of doing like intra squad instead of it being like you know Reds versus Whites we used to play a game against the alumni. Oh yeah, I remember. And that. The, and we actually beat or the alumni beat one of our teams and that was back in the 50s when we were 
just terrible, like with Glassford as a coach. That's yeah. So I, 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 I'll, I'll rephrase I, that. I don't I, remember that. A, I remember hearing about that. <laughs> I, I'm going to guess on a year, and I'll I'll say, I mean, Glassford was here late 40s to the – Yeah, I remember uh, a story where 52, Tom Novak's 52, team came back know. and beat the uh, – uh, yeah, that sounds good. So, what? What yeah, year? Somewhere you guessing? like 1955, I think they lost, or 54 or something. They they actually lost to the alumni guys, but um, but I'll, I'll say like 1952. I don't know. All right, Skip, do you have an answer on that? Wow, honky, that's incredibly close. Uh, the alumni beat varsity 14 nothing in 1956. Oh. oh. Uh, it officially kind of switched over in 1962 to be red versus white, although there were a few red-white sporadically thrown in from 1950 to 1961. Otherwise, they're listed as varsity versus alumni. And in 1962, they were red versus white all the way through. When did the varsity alumni one start? As far as 1926 to spring practices with scrimmages, but... Official well, university record Curtis. started. Oh no, that in was, oh, yeah, that's that was right. Official university that was record camp. keeping of spring games began in 1950 with the advent oh, okay. of the varsity nice. alumni series. So that's when they officially the started. Well, if it was 50, I'm going to say I was two years yeah. off. So yeah, not bad, not bad. Okay. You know, uh, uh, we 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 lost Mac. Uh, he actually had to take off. Um, I think he actually, you know, I, if you don't know, uh, Mac is a an EMT and uh, got a call to. Uh, rescue a, a guy with uh an issue with a uh our blood pressure machine in a grocery store so he's uh, yeah um so hopefully, hopefully everything's okay before. there with him and boomer but uh we'll wrap up the show by ourselves so it's it's no worries um you know i think we've been talking a lot about recruiting here in the spring game and um i think an on-running topic we'll have is kind of this evolution of, of college football and big changes are afoot, though, from the NCA on Friday. There are some some uh, rules changes that went through that are going to start impacting uh, Nebraska almost immediately, really. Um, we will uh, start seeing uh, changes to uh, the uh, official visits. Um, right now, we can't actually pay a recruit or pledge or anybody who's interested in coming to Nebraska to play football, uh, pay their way to campus until September 1st right now. Um, next year, that's going to move up to April 1st. So all these uh, visitors of the spring game, we had 40 kids here. They could actually uh, they all have paid their own way, all pay their own way this year. That w- won't be the case next year. Uh, other big changes afoot, uh, coaching staff is going to expand from nine assistant coaches to 10. Uh, so that's going to be a big impact. It's not as as soon as most people thought that most thought that was going to be immediate, um, but that doesn't happen until I believe next January. So that pushes that back just a little Correct. bit. Um, other things, um, end of two a days um, in fall camp, you can't have two um, contact practices uh, during fall camp any longer. Uh, satellite camps are changing. Over signing, um, something the SEC um, is notorious for of going over the 25-person uh, per class limit. That's evolving. And then I think the the big one here for us is the early signing date. So right now there's National Signing Day in February. Um, we will have a signing date in December. Uh, and that's starting uh, this year. Is that right, Hunk? Uh, what do you think about these changes? Well, you know, it, it's nice for Nebraska. We have Sean Eichhorst, the athletic director, has been a part of all those committees at the NCAA level that have been kind of hashing this out. And – I think one of the things that, that Riley really hit on early here 
when he would get into the politics of college football is he talked about, you know, you can't have an early signing date without doing an early junior visit to go with it. It, it, That would hurt Nebraska because these kids would just end up signing before they ever even had a chance to make it to campus. So um, kudos to, I think, Riley being someone that helped push that. Kudos to Icorse being on the NCAA committee. And this is exactly what you want an athletic director to do for you is to help advocate for for not only what's best of college football, but certainly what's going to also help your your program at the same time. And this is going to help us. Getting kids paid to come to campus earlier, that's going to be a benefit to Nebraska. And then, really, the the early signing date, which is only two months earlier. But what that does, you know, for old curmudgeons like me that that, that want to call these kids pledges, that's is right. that, you know, look, and for those kids that just want to sign, they can just sign. They can be done with it in December, not have to – not have to, to to deal with all that headache that goes into the January you know time frame leading up to the February signing date. What will be interesting, and it will just you know, sit back and enjoy, I guess, is when that kid signs in December and then his coach gets fired at the end of December. It's you know what tricky. happens there, and, and I don't know what I don't know if there's specific legislation that's been put into any of these NCA rules to deal with that, but you you know what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> at that's some right. Point. So what are that's the rules right. then? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I mean, Bo Pelini was actually an advocate where he was like, you know, why even have a signing day? Just have it at some point wide open. And if you want to commit truly to that uh, program and that program wants to commit to you, let's just do it. Um, that didn't quite go that far, but this is a step in the right direction, I think. And uh, to Honky's point, um, the early signing period paired with uh, the early official visits uh, can be a benefit for Nebraska because as we've learned um, and it's been emphasized with this um, staff, getting kids to Lincoln is critical. I mean, it is just a different scenario. Once we get a recruit to come to to Lincoln, see the atmosphere. um, Have a runza. (laughs) Runzas are critical. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully they get misties too. Um, But. Uh, it's just different, you know, and I think Lincoln actually proves itself as a far better uh, town to go to than than what you expect. A lot of people think you're in the middle of nowhere, and it's a town of, you know, 250 going 300,000. There's a lot more going on, and these kids are coming from the West Coast and from the South. Um, realize that once they get here, and they're not quite so um, uh, concerned about uh, uh, actually committing to four or five years in Nebraska. So hopefully there's good things. We'll have a lot more on this. I think this could be a whole show um, over in the off season. So we're looking forward to talking about it uh, more in depth. So I think we're going to wrap up uh, show two of the go big Redcast. Uh, you know, next week uh, we're going to pivot a little bit more. We're going to still have tons of Husker football talk. Uh, hopefully maybe another recruiter too might uh, commit after this big weekend, but uh, we'll be trying to cover a little bit more uh, on uh, all Husker sports uh, the baseball team um, had a big uh, kind of letdown home stand versus the Iowa Hawkeyes. They they did salvage the Sunday game this week, uh, but they did lose uh, two of three. Uh, before then, they are really rising up in the uh, the RPI and and look strong. So hopefully next week they have a, a big series uh, up in Minneapolis versus Minnesota, and uh, hopefully they uh, turn things around and we have uh, lots of uh, Nebraska baseball to talk about. And uh, we, we can start covering uh, Nebraska basketball. Lots of crazy things have happened there in the offseason. Yeah, hopefully we'll have more guys transferring in than out over the next week for that. That'd yeah, nice. I mean, maybe Miles will transfer out at some point the way this is going. <laughs> no one else left, so... <laughs> 
Uh, maybe we can get some recruiting talk in there. Um, our buddy that could Boomer be where Mac and Boomer are right probably now. Probably joining be like us. Out for the team. Is the entrance door out. broken and only the exit door works? <laughs> it feels <laughs> like problem. it in Husker basketball land, which doesn't make any sense. But we'll have lots of stuff to talk about. Looking forward to it. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, show number two, and we will be back next week. Go Big Red! Thank you.